The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. City Treasurer Misty Busher, how are you? Good morning, Sam. I'm great. How are don't you? I don't want to say it was a worst-kept secret in Springfield, but it was one of them. We'd asked you that the last time you were here. You said you were contemplating it, and I mm-hmm. know people were encouraging you to make the decision. Um, what was the one factor that said, yes, I'm going to do this and run for mayor? There were actually probably two. Okay. Um, one was my family, my husband, mm-hmm. our daughter, um, supporting me and trying to make a difference in our community. And then the second was um, there were a group of Springfield City police officers that actually sat my husband down and said, please encourage her to do this. We need her. Um, So that really meant a lot to my husband. So it was a combination of other people in my family. How does a a bank job at one time for you, now Mm -hmm. city treasurer, how does that prepare someone or even uh, give you the qualities necessary to become a mayor? I would say the background from my the bank would be the analysis of problems, situations, coming up with solutions, always trying to think positive and work through things. But I truly believe my community service in the community is what prepared me more so than even my financial background. What did you do or where? what was the thing that triggered you interest in public service? You've been in the private sector for so long. <laughs> what, what interested you in public service, getting involved in politics, if you will? I had worked my way up from the bottom in the bank. I had become a bank teller when I was going to school at Lincoln Land Mm -hmm. and worked my way up to a vice president of the bank. And 25 years later, I looked at my husband and said, I've given a bunch of my time to the community in various ways through boards and volunteer work. And I would like to try to give back to my community in another way, being a public servant. So that's what prompted me to run for office. Back in 2014 was when we started passing petitions then. As you have been around Springfield for a while, uh, was there any one or two mayors that have served in that capacity that you think resonated well with the people and maybe you thought, I can kind of follow in their footsteps? I truly believe that every individual is different. And I have this saying that when people hear me speak, I, it's a Jim Rohn speak, uh, a saying, it's all of us need each of us. Every person in this world is needed somehow, some way, you know, if there wasn't someone or fifth street is closed right now to come down fifth street, to come see you. If there weren't people working on the road to improve it, what would we do? Our cars would fall apart. We wouldn't get to work. Um, so we're all needed with that respect. I think every mayor we've had has led their own way and being their own type of leader and their own strengths. Um, of course, there were charismatic mayors like Tim Davlin. Absolutely. You know, everybody loved Tim Davlin. Um, but then there were very serious financial mayors like Mike Houston, who really got the city back on track financially. So I think each person adds their own value. Um, there are some aldermen that are very uh, focused in on the, the pension issue. How big a challenge is it for the city of Springfield? And <laughs> there are probably no quick fixes But how do you address something like the pension issue? You're correct. There are no quick fixes. It would be a progression of trying to take the right steps to make that process of building the pension fund better. 
The um, state of Illinois has been working on some things. The Illinois Municipal League has been lobbying the state of Illinois to, when I say the state of Illinois, that's our legislators, clearly, um, but looking to make some changes in some of the um, funding capacities. For instance, um, the Fire Pension Fund is now in a consolidated investment group with all of the downstate pension funds, and police is slowly getting there. So they're slowly making steps. So I think it's not it's not going to be an overnight fix. It's a progression of different things that's going to make changes there. Is it going to, have to be solved financially? Will there have to be some sort of a tax increase? I don't think the state's going to help out. Uh, it is what it is. They're going to say cities deal with it. I mean, it, it, eventually, it may not be in the next five, ten years, but eventually it's going to have to be addressed. It will have to be addressed. And I know when I met with the firefighters, um, their union recently, I spoke about how Tier 1 and Tier 2 has, you know, various benefits that are going to help fix some of it. Um, We never want people to die. So that is how we go from Tier 1 to Tier 2. That isn't something we want, but we do have to look at that. Um, The investment rate of return has been, in my opinion, inaccurate. We've always, when I say we, it comes from an actuary. It's not just like a a figure that one person comes up with. But um, it's probably too high. Um, so we're we're looking at making too much on our investments. If you look at what the investments have made for the past year, it's not anywhere near that. So we've constantly got to refocus on being more realistic. Yesterday in the uh, paper, I found it interesting on uh, front page, they talked about five major buildings uh, in downtown Springfield, not government owned necessarily. These are all private sector that are vacant and we don't know what the future is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. A proposed a beer garden type thing over at uh, third and or, you know, fourth and Adams on the corner there. Uh, the Wyndham what's going on there. The PNC bank is another one. Um, how much is that responsibility? I mean, five big empty buildings, private sector, plus we've got a park. Now the city is going to have a contest to try to name the new Y Park. They want to going to go to the city website, and you can suggest a name for the Y Block Park. How much responsibility does a mayor have on on those five empty buildings and and still a park that the late Frank Edwards was going to try to make that an issue? And that was four years ago. And there's outside of maybe Thursday night concerts, a couple nights out of the year, nothing's happening. How much responsibility is all that for the mayor? I believe there is a responsibility to the mayor to help develop the downtown. We have to reimagine and rethink our downtown. Um, The Sangamon County Growth Alliance is really big into looking into that. And I know so is the um, Community Foundation. I had a conversation with John Strunstifer about just this very subject. Um, I met with DSI about it. We have to, as a community, rethink our downtown. And I do believe that in 2019, our downtown looked a lot different than it does today because COVID has changed that. There are people who are going to want to work from home forever now, and you're going to have to accept that or they're going to go work for someone else. So some of those office buildings are never going to be what they were anymore. Sam, you're not going to have those office workers. So how do you reimagine the downtown and repurpose those things? I don't know. Are there a lot of city workers working remotely? And those under the mayor, would you change that if elected? Um, I do believe that there are just a handful of city workers working remotely, not a lot. Um, I do believe that if we want to stay competitive in the job market, we're going to have to offer some form of hybrid of that. Not all positions. Clearly, the people in my office who take money in cannot work from home. Uh, Firemen, policemen, linemen, there are tons of jobs we have that you cannot do from home. But we do have clerical type jobs that I think we will lose and continue losing these people to the state of Illinois or other places if we don't offer some form of hybrid work environment, especially for the younger crowd. Um, I know 
some of us have kids, you know, in their 20s and 30s, and they want a little bit of flexibility. You know, if your daughter can on Thursdays work from home because the children have soccer practice at 4.30 and she gets off at 4 and doesn't have that commute time and can get everybody in the car and get them to soccer, it's a convenience. And you don't want to lose employees to things like that. Um, Ironically, the city treasurer before you has gone on to be mayor, and now you're the city treasurer and going to challenge uh, the mayor, the incumbent mayor. Um, What changes did you make in the treasurer's office when you assumed the office uh, now almost, what, eight years ago, I guess? Yes, eight years ago. Right. Uh, Some big changes. We moved all of the city's money into local financial institutions. It was not in local banks. Um, And as a result of moving it into local banks, there were several benefits. The benefit to the taxpayers on the city side was we receive a better rate of return and we have lower expenses in our bank fees. So that was a great thing for the for the taxpayers. Uh, we were making anywhere from two to $300,000 a year in interest. We now make over a million dollars in interest in the bad years and in the good years, two million, three million. So it, it was a big deal to do that. The side for the financial institutions to help the community is when the money is on deposit there, they can use that money to loan to local businesses. So the money is being reinvested in the local area, which is great too. So it was a win-win for both sides. Um, we beefed up collections. We changed an ordinance where the city no longer eats the collection fees. The violator pays the, pays the collection fees. We made a lot of changes. Misty Busher is with us, announced candidate for the mayor of the city of Springfield. Uh, we have heard it with probably a number of mayor's offices and how they've run it. But the question of communication, I hear it from a lot of aldermen. Uh, some support the mayor, some not necessarily in his camp but they all seem to talk about the lack of communication. But I've heard that before with other mayors. Right now, from what you've been able, is there a problem with communication with this administration? I would say yes. Why? Give me an example or two, please. If you watch a Tuesday night meeting, our aldermen are on a fact-finding mission at that Tuesday night meeting when they are voting on ordinances. They should have that data before them, way before that. They should not be on a fact-finding mission at that time. What will be, um, if in fact there's a new corporation council, we have every reason to believe that Mr. Zirkel does not want to retain the post. Uh, what are you going to look for in a corporation council? A person that would look to be a leader in the corporation council office as far as leading the attorneys there to guide our city employees the best way they can possible, guide our elected officials the best way they can possible, but also um, be an open line of communication. I think it would be a very different office. Um, and I I met with someone yesterday um, and said, I don't have anybody. They said, who do you want for Corporation Council? I said, I don't have anybody for any of the director positions. I honestly do not. So if Mr. Zirkel said I'm retiring and I was the mayor, I would put a committee of good attorneys that understand municipal government together and have them work with me to find that right person. I don't believe I have all the answers. I believe that there are very intelligent, wonderful people in our community that want to have their voice heard and you should listen to it. How much influence should a corporation council have in the day-to-day operation of a city? Only from a legal standpoint. Only from a legality standpoint. I understand. I I don't think that they uh, are the one that makes the decisions on how public works runs or operates or how building permits happen. From a legal standpoint, yes. But after that, I think it's just it's a legal it's a legal department. 
if elected, how are you determined? What are you going to look for in department heads? What are you going to look for people who are in your close to you in the office, uh, assistants and so on and so forth? What are you going to look for? What qualities? Someone who will look me in the eye and tell me this is not the way, the way you see it is not the way it should be. It needs to be this way. Somebody who will challenge me. Um, I would love to see a cabinet of people in the department head capacities, a variety of political backgrounds. I think if everybody's from the right wing, we're in trouble, and everybody's from the left wing, we're in trouble. We need a balance of both. So I would look for a balance of both. Um, That's the only way we're going to move the city forward because we have both in our community. We have people in our community who believe different political beliefs, and we need to represent all of them. Were you surprised that it took a year to name a new director of economic development for the city? And how high a priority will that be if you are the next mayor? It's a big priority because that's one of the places I think that we have slid backwards is economic development. If you look around, um, we are very blessed to have the medical community we do. Springfield Clinic and Memorial Medical Center has done a lot of wonderful things to improve our community in the medical district area. But other than that, the, the growth you see is the gift of our governor, J.B. Pritzker. If, if our governor wasn't reinvesting money in the armory building and the two different capitals, and then he's now promised to do some things at the fairgrounds, which are amazing, we wouldn't have anything. Government-funded economic development isn't always the best economic development. Misty Busher, we understand, nod, nod, wink, wink, it's a nonpartisan race for the city. Uh, but you were, I believe at one time, pretty staunch Democrat. If that's not fair, then you correct me, please. But now you, I think, have more of allegiance to the Republican Party. If that is the case, why? What happened? So I was never a staunch Republican or Democrat okay. in the past. So not one or the other. All right. Uh, if you look at my paperwork, when I filed for my D1 in 2014, the State Board of Elections, I filed as an independent. Um, the reason I did that, I'd never voted in a primary. And I had always voted when I went to the polling place um, for the candidate I thought was best at that time. Um, And I still vote for the candidate I think is best, but I never voted in a primary because I didn't want to be labeled um, prior to being elected. So I didn't side with one or the other staunchly. I sided with who I thought was the best candidate. Um, Had I voted for both Republicans and Democrats in the past? Yes, that would be a very true statement. Um, It's a true statement today as well. Um, So when I ran for office, there were, as you probably remember, two other candidates at that time running. Um, Craig Burns and Frank Edwards. And I was the third candidate, which was the independent candidate. Um, It ended up being that Mr. Burns and I met up and actually he is to this day still one of the nicest people I know. And I meet and have lunch with him often. I like Craig a lot. He's a good person. Um, So he ended up supporting me. And that's kind of, I think, where it fell into play that I became the Democrat candidate. Um, Frank was a Republican candidate. Um, I did go to some Democrat events that I was invited to. I went to some Republican events I was invited to at that time as well. So, um, but I, when I became elected, I told my husband, I'm probably going to need to determine what party I would like to belong to because eventually that's going to have to happen. And the reason that I chose to become a Republican is strictly economics. I am a very conservative economic person. When it comes to finance, I'm conservative. Um, my beliefs are conservative. My um, beliefs socially are not that conservative. I support the LGBTQ community. I have always supported the Phoenix Center. Um, John Akuli is a friend of mine. So 
but it was more of an economic and a financial um, background, which I would say most bankers probably fall into that category, which is what my background was. Misty Busher visiting with us, uh, announced candidate for mayor. Uh, mayor Jim Langfelder has also announced he will seek a third term. So at the moment, these are the only two announced candidates. Um, I'm not so sure there's, well, there's no debate really, but the automatic form of government has certainly divided us more than probably necessary because there's a lot of concern about a particular ward. The ward I represent, I want the best for that. That goes without saying, no matter wards one through 10, that's what you're going to do. How can you bring the city together though? How can you get aldermen to think about what's best in the long term for the city and who's going or not going to get what something in their ward that is going to go to another ward? I believe that there are several key pieces to making that happen. One is my personal philosophy is the mayor is not the leader of the city for decision-making. The mayor is the leader of the city for putting people together. The decision-makers for the city are those 10 aldermen and alderwomen. So I think there's a push and pull there right now that um, I would not want to experience. I believe my job as a leader would be to lead all of those people together. That happens through communication. That happens through listening to them. That happens through having meetings with them. And then you, if you find two aldermen who are um, arguing, then those are the two you go have a meeting with. And you try to figure out how can we marry this in the middle. It, the reason that they represent one ward is they're supposed to fight for that one ward. But ultimately, all 10 of them are the decision makers for the entire community. They're, the mayor only votes in the event of a tie or if a supermajority is needed on a vote. Otherwise, the mayor's vote is not needed. So you are the conduit to putting all those people together and having them work together. You are, They are the decision makers. The aldermen are. Is there any – are you like the way we're going to solve – the challenge the homeless presents to the city of Springfield? I think that we are getting there. I think the continuum of care is working on that. I know some other groups are working on that as well. Um, I I believe that we could have done better. I really do. Um, But I do believe that we will do better in my heart. Uh, A current issue is the Wyndham. Uh, Mm -hmm. The council is going to vote. It's going to need seven votes to get something done in a positive direction, there are some city people that don't want to give up the hotel rooms for conventions and so on and so forth. What would your position be on this? I'm very concerned about losing the hotel rooms. And you already brought up that we have, what, five vacant buildings. There are enough vacant buildings downtown that we could make into apartments. I'm not saying that we do not need apartments. We do. I just am concerned that we will never get those hotel rooms back. What does that do to the conventions? What does that do to the BOS center? then if the BOS Center doesn't have the conventions coming in because they've canceled for it to survive, does it have to increase its tax base? Then do the property taxes go up for that? So we really have to think about it globally. Those hotel rooms are very important. CWLP, how important to the city of Springfield, the challenges they face, are you satisfied the way that is being operated at the moment? We could have done better, uh, but we are where we're at now, so we have to not look backwards and we need to look forward, Sam. I do believe that we have a lot of challenges ahead of us with CWLP. We're waiting for the EPA answer on the ash ponds. Uh, We have rolling blackouts or brownouts that will probably happen. And that's just not a central Illinois. That's nationwide and and globally. You know, you read about it in Germany and other countries as well. But there are a lot of pressing issues there. Um, I do think we could have done better. But again, 
that is already, that ship has sailed. We need to move forward and do the right thing going forward. There are two things I want to get back to, and that'll be the final two questions. Number one, you said you met with some police. Was it the police union or was it just a group of officers? And what what exactly were their concerns? What they express? Is it about leadership? It is, is it about support? It is about the number? What were the concerns of the police officers that you met with? There was a combination of concerns. Leadership was one of them, but that has changed. Chief Skinny, Kenny Scarlett is there now, so there is a change in leadership there. Um, part of it was recruiting, recruitment, salaries being low, in their opinion, compared to other communities like our size, and then 12-hour shifts. They were on 12-hour shifts, and they're not sustainable, and actually some of their spouses talked to me about it as well. So, uh, You also said that you are going to surround yourself with people who may not agree with you mm-hmm. how important is that and how high a priority is that because sometimes elected officials surround themselves with yes people and they don't want necessarily anyone to disagree you're telling me that you're cons- <laughs> you are confident enough in your mm-hmm. abilities uh, and your strengths that you're not going to discourage anyone with a different opinion I believe it's important that you have people who are not yes people in your team because that's the only way someone is going to give you the feedback you truly need to make a change. You're never going to have all the answers and know everything. So if you won't listen to another person, you're not going to progress forward. How do you organize a campaign? Well, you did for city treasurer. How do you mm-hmm. organize a campaign? And it, it, I mean, you have to raise some money. That's for sure. Uh, you've already had one fundraiser. You will probably have more. You're getting support. I think uh, there are labor unions uh, involved. There are developers involved or supporting you, I should say, in your, your campaign. How challenging it will be from a money standpoint and then to organize the boots on the ground at the grassroots level. So as you know, I come from the Busher family. There are a few. So um, when I <laughs> when I um, organized my last two campaigns, that family has come out full force. I have to say, I married into an amazing family of good, strong people. Um, so boots on the ground are important. Um, I do believe I'll have more boots on the ground in this campaign than any other because of just the aspect of what I'm running for, other than family. Um, but we had family and friends always, and some political people before. But we'll have more than that at this time. I do believe Springfield is a, we're a small, big city is what I call us. People want to see you at the door. They want to talk to you, so we're going to be out and about. Um, but then I also believe that um, raising money, as you said, is important. Um, sometimes I get sad when I think about how much money we spend on political campaigns because I look at the non-for-profits who could use that money in, in other ways, but it is a necessary evil. Um, one of my biggest faults probably is I don't like to ask for money. I'm not good at that. I will admit that to you. Um, It's just not something I enjoy doing. So uh, I will pay for things myself sometimes instead of asking for any help. Um, But I with when it comes to finances, but um, my husband has luckily supported me in those things. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Mike. But um, but I I just think that um, listening to the community, knocking on doors, hearing what their concerns are, which I've already heard multiple people of the community reach out to me and say, this is my concern. And everybody has a different concern. And you'll find where someone lives that really drives their concerns. And where you live might be different than my concerns because of where I live. You know, I'm on the north end. You're in a different area of town. We have different concerns. You have to listen to that. And then your your volunteers that help you get organized and help you get elected need to convey those things to you when they're out hearing those things as well. Senior year in high school, where was it? Mine, Rochester High School. If somebody in your senior year taking a government or current events class said, Misty Busher, you're going to run for mayor someday the city of Springfield, what would have been your reaction? 
I probably just would have started laughing. I would have never <laughs> believed it. So um, when I was uh, being sworn in in 2015 at UIS, um, they, Jim, I think it was Jim Leach that asked me. He sat uh-huh. me down real quick outside and said, can I just interview you for a quick second? And um, he said, you know, do you ever think you were going to run for office? And I said, no. There was a, a kid in my class. His name was Mike Lesko. Um, he he was loved President Reagan. If anybody was going to do this, it would have been him. And Mike is a friend of mine. We go to lunch, and and he called me and said, I heard you say my name on the radio. I can't believe you did that. But he was the guy who loved politics in school. I, I didn't love politics in school, and oddly enough, I'm in it, but I don't necessarily really love politics today either because sometimes I think in politics we are not nice to each other. We're ugly to each other. Um, we don't say kind things about each other. We tear each other down, and I don't believe in doing that. Um, but I also believe that that's why I had – Democrats standing up with me when I made my announcement that I was going to run for mayor because they know that I support Republicans and Democrats. I support people. I support good people. Um, we have to be nice to each other. We need each other. Misty Busher, thanks for coming in. We, I'm sure we will see you down the campaign trail. We've got a November election to get through, but all politics is local. And there's people mm-hmm. already talking about the upcoming city election. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. Thank you. 36 past hour. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.